So who are we canceling today? I think we need to cancel the Outrage Industrial Complex. What the hell is that? You know, it's like the Major League Baseball League moving their game out of Georgia and also this podcast. Wow, okay, that's a little strong, but are you proposing, like, a boycott of Major League Baseball? Because I thought that was cancel culture, too. No, it's different because all of this is perpetuating cancel culture. So it's like boycotting cancel culture. You know, it's like canceling cancel culture. So, like, we should cancel cancel culture. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Hey everyone, I'm Caitlin Burns. And I'm Oliver Ash Klein. And you're listening to Cancel Me Daddy. The show where you take a closer look at all of the panic around cancel culture. With thoughtful analysis. And verbal shit posting. So how are we feeling today, Oliver? I'm I'm feeling good today. I've been feeling really, really bad this week, but right now in this moment, I feel like I could like take on the world. So Yeah. You know, sitting down and recording this with you is always a highlight of my week. So uh, let's dive into it. (laughs) Um, So something that is giving me life right now is this hilariously horrible review that we got on Apple Podcasts. Is this the one I posted on Twitter the other day? Mm -hmm. Um, It is. There's so much happening. (laughs) What's it say? Why don't we read it? It says, I don't know what's worse here. Maybe it's the host vocal fry. Maybe that Oliver ends every sentence with an interrogative intonation. Um, yes, I do. Thank you so much for <laughs> noticing that in my vocal fry. I love both of them. Maybe it's that the show is a litany of automated adjudications of moral blame without a hint of analysis, let alone a semblance of an analytical framework. Okay, at this point, I don't think this person has actually listened to the show, but they go on. It keeps going, if you can believe it. They say, or is it the fact that Caitlin uses trait expressions like doing the work? I don't think I'm going to check the transcripts on this. I don't think I've ever said that on this show. It's like, it's not part of my lexicon, honestly. I think I've said it. I agree that it's trite, but yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> to seriously enjoy this is not enough to be a member of a small choir parentheses, not a Democrat, not a Marxist, but a kind of nouvelle vogue woke. No, not even woke. What? What was that word, salad? I don't know, but should we put nouvelle vogue woke in our Twitter bios? Probably. Yeah. Um, It's still going, by the way. A 10 kilogram pot of flowers must have hit your head, damaging your higher cognitive functions. Or you can have a laugh at the ridiculousness of the conversation once in a while. So thank you, whoever you are, for the hate listen. Um, Love the ableism, not... I mean, honestly, anybody complaining about vocal fry is just like an automatic loser all the time. Um, (laughs) So I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Little misogyny there. Yeah, I don't think you actually listen to the show. I'm just going (laughs) to put that out there. And you know what? Hate listens are still listens. Um, but actually, um, Apple reviews are really important for like getting the word about shows out there and getting more listeners and things like that. So if you want to balance out this like really hateful and nonsense review, (laughs) I would really appreciate it. We do read everything 
that that people say about us in reviews. There's also a way to email us through the website. We do read and try to respond to everything, but that one in particular, I think, um, was especially hilarious. Yeah, I I got a kick out of that. Um. <laughs> So we have a bit in store for today's show that I think that folks are going to enjoy. Our first segment is going to be about the Republican meltdown happening over businesses speaking out against Georgia's voter suppression law. Yeah. In our second segment, we're going to go a little bit wider picture than we typically do. We're going to talk about, is cancel culture even real? I'm going to have a little bit of a spicy conversation. Uh, (laughs) So excited to get into the show. So when we were getting ready for the show, one thing that you really wanted to cover was Major League Baseball pulling their all-star game out of Georgia uh, because of the voter suppression law that was passed there. And I'm wondering if you want to kind of explain that for folks who haven't really been following closely along. Yeah. So there's been a lot of really great journalistic work on this. So if people have more specific questions than what we get into, I encourage you to look into it. But basically, Georgia's Republican state legislature passed a law. It's quite sweeping. It's been compared to Jim Crow laws, which, you know, historically have drastically limited the power of Black people's ability to vote. But basically what the law does, I'm just going to hit a few highlights here. It gives Georgia's Republican-controlled General Assembly control over the State Board of Elections, which actually politicizes it and makes it really open to corruption in a lot of ways. It makes it illegal to give voters food and water while they wait in line, which is, I think, the provision that really sparked the initial outrage, right? Because it's like, how can you ban people from giving sustenance to people who are waiting in these long voter lines that previously passed Republican laws have created in a lot of these communities, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And it makes absentee voting more difficult. Uh, So those are just a few highlights out of many, many. It's pretty egregious. I mean, if you remember back to the election last year, Georgia was like one of the key sites of like Donald Trump's claim to have actually won the election, which was obviously false. Uh, And this law would essentially give the state legislature, which is controlled by Republicans, the ability to influence the process enough where they could turn a close election in their favor. So it's pretty sweepingly anti-democratic. And since then, Delta Airlines and Coca-Cola, both of which are based in Georgia, have spoken out against the legislation. And Major League Baseball, this is probably the most high-profile thing, Major League Baseball actually pulled this year's All-Star game out of Atlanta and moved it to Coors Field, which is in Denver. So several like high-profile responses, corporate responses to this law has really got the Republicans on their typical refrain of, this is cancel culture, you're canceling us, and... Um, there's been some really wild takes that have come out of this. So many. Mitch McConnell has been saying some some just whack shit. What's Turtle Boy said this time? He's speaking out against the quote-unquote woke parallel government. And by that, he means corporations. 
Um, I'm not sure what reality he's living in and thinking that corporations are woke, but okay. And he says, quote, corporations will invite serious consequences if they become a vehicle for far left mobs to hijack our country from outside the constitutional order. So I think his response is really interesting and also like highlights very deep hypocrisy because he's talking about how corporations have too much power. And, like, shouldn't have speech. Um, Whereas, you know, a big Republican thing is like, oh, corporations should have all this power. We shouldn't regulate that much. They should be able to give as much money to politics and be involved in our political processes. And so it's weird that when corporations speak out against what Republicans want, all of a sudden they're like, oh, no. Corporations shouldn't have this much power. They have too much power. And like, I agree that corporations have too much power, but like, you got to be consistent. First of all, fuck you, Mitch McConnell, for making me defend corporations. (laughs) (laughs) But also, this is like, this is the deepest, most ironic thing this guy I think has ever seen. And his whole career is just deeply messed up and ironic hypocrisies. But it's the Republicans who created this this thing where corporations have a like a constitutionally protected political voice. Like you have to live in the bed you've made here, Senator McConnell. Like he and he also went on to say like corporations should stay out of politics except for their contributions. And it's like, okay, bro, this is just like what? I mean, this is just nakedly craven at this point. Like You're just showing your whole ass. (laughs) The Republicans go like masks off in a like shocking new way. And then they do it again in a different, more extreme way. And I'm just like, what the hell? They don't even care about hiding the hypocrisy or hiding, you know, the ways that what they're saying makes no sense at all. But um, one more thing that Mitch McConnell said that I wanted to just share with everybody Um, is that our private sector must stop taking cues from the outrage industrial complex. Holy shit, what a quote. (laughs) I am a proud member of the outrage industrial complex. Proud member. Are you, though? Are you, though? (laughs) No. I mean, I guess technically in the way that he's saying it, that's true. But like, if anybody has an industrial complex over outrage, it's definitely the right wing. Like, they freak out over everything. Like, have you watched Fox News recently? It's like, they have whole, like, image headers of, like, all of the allegedly canceled people. And there's things on there that, like, I don't even recognize from the discourse. And, like... I have a podcast about this shit. Like they're so far in the weeds that like, it's impossible for a professional journalist to even follow. Like it's a parallel universe that I don't get, but like a Republican cannot in good faith condemn the outrage industrial complex and try to pin it on the left. It just does not make sense (laughs) to me. It really doesn't like, come on. And it's not just Mitch McConnell too. It's like, so Georgia governor, Brian Kemp, like specifically named cancel culture in this. So he said, it means cancel culture and partisan activists are coming for your business. They're coming for your game or event in your hometown. And they're coming to cancel everything from sports to how you make a living. And it's just like these people and these corporations 
have a right to like say your shit. Like, hello. You cannot stop people from criticizing you. I am sorry. So two things. What the governor said is really insidious because it's a reframing of what's actually going on and making it about like, oh, cancel culture is coming for your way of life. It's coming for like the fabric of American democracy and your freedom, right? Like that's what that quote is. And so it's like fear mongering about people speaking out against the government, Right. I, right. Which, but, which is enshrined in the Constitution. Like freedom of speech is explicitly protecting speech against the government. Yeah. And you're starting to see laws pop up in these awful state legislatures that actually try to like, quote unquote, tackle cancel culture. And they're really scary, actually. It's basically government regulated speech in a lot of cases. It totally is. There's another one that was proposed that would put like political ideology under like protected status, like race and gender and religion, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And it's really scary and interesting. And I think that we should do a whole segment on that at some point. Yeah, let's definitely mark that down. But going back to Georgia, I mean, the fallout from all of this is huge. Like Trump is calling on boycotts of all of these corporations that have spoken out against this voter law. And this is the part that drives me nuts about this, right? Because this is so nakedly pandering to politics. If the left organizes a boycott, that's cancel culture. If the right organizes a boycott, it's free speech. There's no standards to this. This is all feeling. The facts don't care about your feelings crowd is completely operating on feelings with all of this stuff. It's completely partisan and it's just bullshit. It really is. Like, I know we bring a perspective from the left to these issues, but there it's such a blatant double standard and I am so tired of it. And it's one of the reasons why we created this goddamn show. <laughs> yep. Um, absolutely. You know, one other thing that I wanted to to bring up is that Coca-Cola and Delta only spoke out against this after pressure, after a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And they just said it's unacceptable. They haven't taken any like actual action besides a statement. And the corporations didn't speak up until the law was already passed. And they actually both are campaign contributors to the legislators who supported the bill. So, like, I don't know, Republicans are, like, throwing a temper tantrum about this, but, like, they're actually not doing that much and probably should be doing a lot more. I mean, this is significantly less than, if you remember, in 2016 with the North Carolina bathroom bill, I think is the best example of this. I mean, the state ended up losing an estimated 3.7% billion dollars in revenue because of passing the bathroom bill, right? So this over-the-top reaction to just putting out a statement is, I think, a political design on its own, right? Because you're starting to see calls to boycott places like Arkansas, which just banned trans healthcare for trans kids. This has been a very powerful tool for liberals and leftists to fight back against really awful legislation. (laughs) And I think this is the way they're fighting back, right? So this is not just about Georgia and voting. This is about their entire state level legislative agenda. 
Yeah, that's a really good point because I think it gets to they're trying to make it politically unviable for businesses to do anything or to boycott, right? They're trying to cause backlash against that, which like, Mm -hmm. you know, for better or for worse, like corporations do have power and we can leverage pressure on corporations to act to affect change, right? That's one avenue. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that really points to how Republicans are leveraging like rhetoric and outrage to try to take that option away. Like, I think going back to Arkansas for a second, like if Walmart came out and said, we're moving our headquarters unless you repeal this bill, they would repeal the bill tomorrow. Walmart is headquartered in Arkansas. And if they just threatened to move their headquarters because of that bill against trans kids, like the bill would be gone tomorrow. It would probably be gone by the end of the day. But what they're trying to do, and this is sort of like a test run for them with Coca-Cola and Delta, is by provoking this over-the-top reaction, they're trying to scare businesses like Walmart and, you know, Delta and Coke from speaking out against this, uh, against any of it. You have to realize that, like, this is a culture war, but it's also a political fight, and they're using the culture war politically here. I think really effectively, to be honest with you. And to take a step back and look at this with an even wider lens, I think the stuff like Dr. Seuss and Mr. Potato Head and all of those things that we laughed at and mocked have been leading up to this, right? It's been a gradual sort of progression and like conditioning of right-wing voters and, and consumers of right-wing media to get to this point where they can pull this off with something at larger scale. That's grim. That's grim. Um, Sorry. On that note. So for our second segment, we are going to explore whether or not cancel culture is real, mm. which I think is a is good fodder. We're going to get some negative reviews off of this, I think. Going to get into the discourse. <laughs> you know, I think that we should start by talking a little bit about what we actually mean when we're saying cancel culture in this mm-hmm. segment. I think that the the definition is really squishy and it changes. And sometimes we mean some things and sometimes we mean another thing. So let's kind of like break it down a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, I think that for the purposes of this segment, we're talking specifically about cancel culture, quote unquote, on the left. I think that we can all agree that There's a lot of bad faith, like harassment campaigns from the right and outrage on the right. And I'm not really interested in getting into whether that's real and whether that's cancel culture right now, um, because I think that that is real and it's bad. And whether or not we call it cancel culture is whatever. Like we can have that conversation later, but I'm talking about specifically like on the left. Yeah. So my question to you is, how would you define cancel culture? I would say the way that I would define cancel culture includes parts of cancel culture that I don't think are real. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why don't you explain that? Yeah. So I think that when we're talking about calling out celebrities or politicians or people with a lot of power who have done or said something harmful, I think that that's widely considered cancel culture and is what we would be talking about in the definition of cancel culture. I don't think that's cancel culture. Okay. You know, I do think that sometimes that devolves into like harassment campaigns that are bad. Um, I do think that there are people who take it too far. Um, But I think generally calling out 
people with power for doing or saying harmful things is completely appropriate and completely Mm -hmm. warranted um, and isn't cancel culture. Again, that doesn't mean that every single call out is appropriate. That doesn't, you know, I do think that it sometimes goes too far. Um, but I generally don't think that that's cancel culture. Um, so to me, like, I take issue with the phrase cancel culture to begin with, right? Because it presupposes a culture where something is completely dominant. And I reject that framing. I do think uh, somebody can be, quote unquote, canceled, right? So what I mean by that is if it's discovered that somebody has done something harmful and there are like call outs, I think those can be very legitimate. I I also think that sometimes they can go too far for the circumstances, right? And I don't want to like bring up specific incidences as examples, which I realize sort of limits the conversation here, but I'm, I'm doing that for a reason because I, I don't want to take sides and stuff that have already happened. But like a lot of times what I'll see is I see this a lot with trans women on Twitter. Okay. And that's the frame of reference I'm bringing to it because I'm also a trans woman on Twitter, but I'll see something where a trans woman will say something that is problematic Okay, I'll I'll give you an example for myself. And I apologize for being so, like, wishy-washy with this. But there was a time when I was more angry on Twitter than I currently am. (laughs) And I called out a couple of non-binary people who were, quite frankly, very trans-misogynistic. They were saying some really turfy things about trans women and I said, hey, like, this is not okay. I, you know, I, I didn't say it quite that politely. <laughs> and I said, you know, it, there can be a problem within the non-binary community of trans misogyny, which I think anybody who's familiar with the discourse that we're talking about will understand that what I'm saying mm-hmm. with that. And I still get tweets to this day where people are like, oh, Caitlin Burns, she's binarist scum. Like she hates non-binary people with a passion, right? So I think when we're talking about canceling being a problem, I think this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Now, thankfully, like this is a very, very, very small segment of people on Twitter Um who have done this and it hasn't had like real consequences for me or for my career, but also like charges like that are so clearly false. Like I host a podcast with a non-binary person. Hello. Um, like I consistently platform non-binary people in my work. I've consciously tried to expand my source pool to include more non-binary people. Like I think these characterizations are unfair, but I think this is the dynamic that people are referring to when they rant against quote unquote cancel culture. I do think that cancel culture is real and that people can be perceived to be canceled for unfair reasons. Yeah. I mean, that's like a completely unfair characterization of you and just like kind of ridiculous. Right. But so like, my theory is, is everybody has a different perspective of what is unfair or acceptable, right? So, like, when there's a transphobic writer who writes something about trans people that they don't think is offensive because they have, the, they have their own idea of being offensive, 
it's their first time speaking on this, but trans people have seen it a thousand times before. And then trans people react very loudly to it and negatively online. To that person, it's going to look like it's completely over the top and they're being treated unfairly. But that's because they waded into something without like understanding the history and the implications of it, right? When a person says, oh, no, I'm being canceled, like this is what they're experiencing, mm-hmm. right? So like our job on this podcast is to talk about what actually is canceling versus what is somebody's just perception of being canceled. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a disconnect between those two things, right? Like I would never self-identify as being canceled okay i don't believe in that sort of self-id here (laughs) Um, (laughs) but what i'm trying to say is like this is the fear that people are referring to when they talk about cancel culture i think the fear is real but the reality is not quite there Mm -hmm. yeah and i think the reality has to do with power Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that, you know, are you someone with more power being, quote unquote, canceled, criticized Mm -hmm. by folks with less power um, and less Mm -hmm. social privilege in our world? Like, that doesn't always 100 percent inform what's going on. But I think it's important context that we need to take into account when we're looking at what cancel culture is and who's actually being, quote unquote, canceled. So I used to be someone who believed that cancel culture wasn't real. That used to be my perspective. Mm. And and it was actually kind of my perspective when we started talking about making this podcast. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, we're making this podcast. I need to like really figure out how I feel about cancel culture and think about it a lot harder because I'm putting ideas into the world about it. And like there's a responsibility with that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I started seeing some like leftist critiques of cancel culture. And I was like, huh, maybe I need to like reevaluate like where my head is at with mm-hmm. this. And so I've been challenging myself a lot with that. And I think I'm still on that journey. Like I don't know a hundred percent everything about cancel culture and I'm right about everything. I truly don't believe that at all. <laughs> I'm curious what you read uh, for leftist critiques of cancel culture. Yeah. Um, so I read We Will Not Cancel Us by Adrienne Marie Brown, who I hope to invite and have on the show at some point. That would be amazing. Yeah, I thought her analysis was really interesting. It was specifically from an abolitionist lens and around um, mm-hmm. abolitionist communities and activist communities, leftist communities. But the kind of critique around that was that we're really quick to kind of cast out our own sometimes and hold people mm-hmm. to like kind of a purity standard mm-hmm. um, rather than helping people grow and challenging them and embracing them as a community and helping them, you know, learn and challenge their biases. And, you know, I think that that's a really interesting perspective that I found really challenging. And kind of the big question I grapple with with that is that I believe in that value, but where is the line? Because I do think that sometimes people cause a certain kind of harm that really hurts people and does need to have serious consequences. And sometimes people can't be in community with other people that they've harmed in a safe way. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. That's That's just like kind of what I've been thinking about a lot in terms of this. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And it reminds me, I actually wrote a series for Everyday Feminism about call-out culture, which is 
similar, but I think not quite exactly the same thing. This is several years ago. And that sort of lines up with, you know, what I discovered back then. But like, if we go by an honest look at who gets quote unquote canceled, it's predominantly marginalized people, especially on social media, right? Like it's almost a meme at this point that a trans woman gets violently canceled at least once a month on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that this happens repeatedly with blacks as activists, like especially women. I don't think that's an accident, right? But I do find it ironic that the only people that are ever given space to speak about this stuff are typically white cis men, although not always. There are several women who um, cash in on the... Cancel culture gift economy? (laughs) That's the one! Ding, ding, ding! (laughs) My favorite phrase. I do think cancel culture is real. I think much of the discourse over it is really overblown. And I think there are a lot of bad faith actors in this space. And it's one of my goals here on this show to take a look at at those types of things and try to figure out, like, how do we navigate these situations? I thought our discussion about Teen Vogue in our last episode was my favorite segment that we've done on this show for that reason. Interesting. Um I actually like disagree. I, I was like kind of reflecting mm-hmm. on that segment and like reading more into what happened specifically with the school board member. Um and you know, I, I do think I don't have all of the full context. I don't know like everything about the school board. I'm not really deep in that, but you know, I was looking into it and there was, you know, a campaign to get that school member and some other school board members ousted for not reopening schools enough quick enough during the COVID pandemic. And those tweets resurfacing actually came from people involved in that effort. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that our analysis there um, fell a little bit short. Like, I'll own up to that. And I think the other piece of it is that, like, you know, I am a white person, And because of that, some of my analysis is absolutely lacking. And so I just want to own up to that before I kind of say where I think my analysis was lacking and say that, like, my analysis that I'm saying right now, like, is still likely lacking in some ways. But, you know, I think that, like, in the context, a school board member was talking about, like, anti-Blackness and racism that exists within another community. And, like, anti-Blackness exists in all communities. Like, it exists in queer communities. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, one reality of white supremacy is that it pits different racial groups against each other. Um, And I think the school board member was talking about that. You know, that doesn't mean she said it in the right way. That doesn't mean that she didn't say it in ways that were hurtful and unacceptable. And so I'm not saying that there shouldn't be any accountability. I I am saying that I do think that there was more nuance to that situation um, that we didn't delve into. Again, I like don't really know for sure what the right mm-hmm. situation is and my analysis is flawed, but I was thinking about that more and realized that like, I am not sure about what I said and like, yeah. I'm still not sure. Yeah, I think that's really fair. I think we put m- much more analysis into the actual Teen Vogue thing than the, the school board. And that was probably where our error was. I think if we had just limited the conversation to the Teen Vogue situation, 
that would have been a little bit better for our analysis in hindsight, but we can't yeah. go back and change it. <laughs> well, and I think that goes to like, we're not perfect. We're <laughs> not always going to have the correct opinions. We're not going to always have the most informed opinions. Yeah. And we're really open to like reflecting on that and like, owning up to that. Mm -hmm. I am a flawed person with a limited perspective. Yeah. And like, I try to have good opinions, but sometimes my opinions are bad. <laughs> <laughs> so jumping back to the segment for, that we're actually doing for a second. Um, so I think our conclusion is, is that cancel culture is real. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think cancel culture is real. But when we talk about cancel culture and kind of the cancel culture discussions that are usually happening in the mainstream media are about something that is not real. Yeah, I would agree with that. Oh my God, we agreed. We, we have to find things to disagree about. <laughs> I hate ketchup. <laughs> um, I don't really care for ketchup. Like, I, I don't hate it, but... Well, I tried. <laughs> M&Ms are sandwiches. Yeah, no, I'm canceling you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, M&M's are calzones, clearly. Um, calzones are also sandwiches. What? <laughs> Is a hot pocket a sandwich? Absolutely. What about like an eclair? Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't. I, this doesn't fly with me. No, no, not doing it. I'm canceling the cancel daddy. You don't have that power. Oh, wow. Okay. I see how it is. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I think this has gone off the rails. <laughs> yeah, this has taken a turn. But, you know, I think that we're going to have a lot more um, conversations on this show about some of the bigger questions around cancel culture. And, you know, I think that I'm really interested in hearing from other people about what they think. Like, these are things that I'm questioning and that I'm challenging in myself. And so like, I want to hear from you about it. Um, I want to hear about what y'all want us to look into and delve into around this, because I think these are really important and interesting discussions. And we, sh we should be thinking about them and reflecting on them and like challenging ourselves on where we are and where we need to go. So yeah. So how about this? If you're listening to this, why don't you tell us what you think cancel culture is? So at our Twitter account, which is at cancel me underscore daddy, um, let us know what you think cancel culture is. Like, how do you define it? Do you think it's real? Like, we'd love to get your thoughts on it. And we'll definitely just retweet everybody that tweets at us. Because um, I think this is a conversation that we need to have. So are you ready to do some canceling, Caitlin? I am. S Sam is also excited about some cancellations. Sam is um, Caitlin's cat. Did he finally get into the show? Yeah, I think Sam just made it into the show. Sam is ready to cancel. <gasps> Sam, you're famous. <laughs> what do you think? Little <laughs> kitty's famous. Aww. Okay. Shh. <laughs> um. So. We are going to cancel the the Arkansas government, which I'm super down with. I am. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Shut it down. My God. Yeah. For those of you who might not know, they have passed three viciously anti-trans and LGBT laws 
in the, as many weeks. So shut it down. <laughs> Sam agrees. <laughs> I'm coming for you. We're also going to cancel pro wrestling. I don't know anything about pro wrestling, but one of our listeners was telling me about it in the Discord, and there is so much horrible shit going on in that space that my head wanted to explode. Um, the listener <laughs> described it as... Wrestling is a Pandora's box of horrific shit. And let me tell you, that is an accurate description. What a turn of phrase. <laughs> How about we we cancel IBS? Yeah, that's that's super fair. Seems like a literal pain in the ass. Our, our bowels. I'm sorry. I'm going to be. I know anatomy. Is that like for pee or poop? Well, I'm not going to. I'm going to take this out of the. It's for poop. It's for poop. <laughs> Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm such a dumbass. Please leave that I'm as a show. I'm such a himbo. I'm such a himbo, y'all. Okay, I'll leave it in the show because I don't care about embarrassing myself. Like, I'm just really comfortable with saying that I don't know things and just being a big himbo. So we're going to leave. We'll see if we leave that in. We might leave that in. You can take it out of the show if you want to, but that's so funny. Someone also wanted to cancel having their time off canceled, which, yes, I don't know what happened, but like, you shouldn't have your time off canceled. You should get a break from work. You should be able to step away and like, take care of yourself. Yeah, I'm all here for canceling that type of cancellation. That's the that's the canceling something being canceled that's good. <laughs> Another listener wants to cancel Richard Dawkins. So, yeah, I mean, it's Richard Dawkins. So, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I don't like him. He says a lot of fucked up <laughs> shit. So, yeah, I'm I'm here for that. Um, oh, this one I relate to so hard. Someone wanted to cancel the stress and uncertainty of the house hunting process. I'm currently in the middle of it, and it sucks. And I just, I feel for this person. I feel for everyone going through this right now. I feel for everyone who's going to be going through this in the future because it sucks and it is not a fun time. 100%. And I think I'm going to be there soon myself. Sending you support already. Sending you so much good energy about this. Make it a nice, easy process. And lastly, we are canceling job interviews where they ask you gotcha questions. Yeah, those are annoying. I'll cancel those. Seriously. Yeah. Mm -mm. I'm done with it. Yeah. I feel like those gotcha questions are totally unnecessary for the overwhelming majority of jobs. So why why do you do that? You're just on a weird power trip. Let's cancel that. Just not here for it. Um, and if you have something that you want us to cancel, you can join our Discord community. And we've got like a great little community talking about lots of other stuff, too. It's nice. It's a lot of fun. And then... I also am really excited. We have a brand new inductee into the Canceller Hall of Fame. Alice, thank you so much. And as a reward, we bestow you the great power of cancellation. You can cancel all of your enemies at any time. The world is yours. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Am I, am I being too much? Never, ever. <laughs> So, yeah, we appreciate you and thank you. And we we hope that you enjoy your power of cancellation. You can also get the great power of cancellation for yourself by becoming one of our biggest Patreon contributors. And we have a lot of other rewards for supporters as well. Yeah, you can get episodes early, join a monthly video call with us. And all of these things like also help us become a weekly show. You can join and learn about those perks 
by logging on to patreon.com slash cancel me daddy and signing up. <laughs> he wants to be on the show. <laughs> Sam is very thirsty for attention, apparently, and wants to be the star of our show, which I'm going to cancel Sam for trying to take my co-hosting spot. Oh my god, you're canceling our third co-host. I cannot believe this betrayal. No, I'm not. I'm obsessed with Sam. I just, I'm so excited to (laughs) hug Sam one day and give him all the love. So no, I'm not actually canceling Sam. I don't know what's up with him today. He's just very chatty. (laughs) Just sharing some feelings. Today's show was made by me, Oliver Ashkline, and Caitlin Burns, my amazing co-host. Daniel Peterschmidt made our theme song, and Eden MW designed our graphics. Our show is made possible by the incredible cancelers supporting our work, especially the members of our Canceler Hall of Fame, with the great power to cancel all of their enemies. Megan Alice. We appreciate your support. Happy canceling!